Uh, before we start, today's learning should be Lezecha Nishmas Gil Vashloim Alei Basafraya Mitzchah Ben Chaim Alevi Yaakov Ben Shragafai Alevi Sarlei Bashmol Tzviel Chanan Peis Advar Yech Basav Shuin Vav Ben Rabar Hashem Shalaliyah and Rafu Shleima Yehudis Bas Miriam and Rukam Liel Ben Mechleita. Okay, so we're up to Dav Samach Beis Amid Aleph, three lines into the page. To finish up this parak, the Gemara is gonna. We've been dealing with, um, you know, preparing with Amaratzim uh, for Shalom and preparing to Matahara, all that stuff. So the the parak just started. The parak ends with the following: three lines into the page, Samach Beis Amaral. Heyid Rav Yosi Ben Hamishulim Mishum Rav Yechonon Achiv. Shavah Mishum Rav Elazar Ben Chisma. So Rav Yosi Ben Hamishulim testified the name of Elazar Ben Chisma. Interesting halacha. Let's say your job is you're a baker. That's what you do for a living. So uh, an amaretz brings you dough and says, I'd like you to bake it. And that's what you do. You're a baker. They would sometimes bring their own dough. I'd like you to take this dough, separate challah, and bake it for me. So you'd say to yourself, oh, it's like a Kirov opportunity. Givaldic, they want me to separate Chala, beautiful. The halach is you're not allowed to. Why? Now the reason is very simple. This dough that they already brought to you, it's already been wet, it's already been made into a dough, and it's already been touched by an Amaretz, which means it's already Tomei. By you separating Chala, people are going to think that it's Tahar, because it was you know, separated challah and, you know, and baked by a, by a from Jew. So people are going to say, oh, it must be, it's kosher to eat. He's going to give it to a kain. A kain's going to eat it because the kain's going to say to Amar, it's who, who, who made this challah? Who separated the challah? say, oh, Avi Zekhnitsky separated. He's a from person, so it must be okay. But the problem is, by the time you already got it, it was already tame. So the halach is, you're not allowed to separate challah because by the time you're getting it, it's already tame. We do not allow you to separate challah because then people are going to think that the challah is, is taka mutter to eat and the bread is mutter to eat. But it's not true, it's already tame. Ein oisin chalas ama'aretz pitar. Okay. <clears throat> but, aval oisin isus choylem pitar. But let's say, instead of them bringing you dough, which is already susceptible to tumah, and already separate to them. Let's say they bring you the raw materials. They bring you grain and flour that never became wet. So it's never tummy. And you bake the dough for them, then it's allowed. Because, you know, we're not concerned. We're not concerned that after you separate chal and you turn it into a dough, they're going to touch it. You tell them, listen, I'm going to make it because it was never tummy before. You turned it into flour, turned it into dough, turned it into challah. Beautiful. You'll do it with tahara and you'll separate the challah properly. And you tell the Amaretz, listen, but don't touch it. So they have to make sure not to touch it with their hands because they don't, and we trust them. Then that's allowed. Why? The Gemara is going to say the reason why we're makel in this case, because you could say to yourself, why do you want such a headache? Why do you even want to let them do their own thing? Why do you want to help them at all? The reason is because as a baker, I'm making money. And, and bakers didn't have a lot of money. In order to help the parnas of the baker, we will allow them to prepare the flour and the, turn it into dough so they make sure that it was never tamay. And then they separate chal, that's fine. So if, you, if they bring you the raw materials, which is never susceptible to tumma, you could turn it into dough and separate chal. Now how do you make sure that they don't become tamay when they pick it up? Pick it up from the bakery. 
you place it in a chafisha or a nechusa. Chafisha or nechusa were different types of containers that were from scrapped leather and it was not susceptible to tumma. Not every container is susceptible to tumma. This container is not susceptible to tumma, so even if an amaaretz touches it, it will not become tame. And renaitam and fine. When Amaretz comes to take his dough from the bakery, he's going to lift up both of them in the same container. He'll take the challah and he'll take his dough. And we don't have to be concerned that he'll touch the challah and defile it. We trust him. And the Gemara is going to say, we, we warn him, we threaten him that if he touches the challah, it makes the entire dough usher. Whether that's true, it's a shayla in the Paiskim of whether they were takamachmer, but that was definitely a threat that we say to him, if you touch the dough, and you touch the challah, if you touch the challah, it turns the entire dough back into like tevel. Okay, so he, we trust that he won't do it. Now, same, so we don't, so if he brings a dough, you're not allowed to separate challah because it's already tameh. But if he brings raw material, you're allowed to prepare betahara in order to help the livelihood of the baker. Same thing also with press. Ainais and trumas zesev betahara. Let's say they bring someone. They bring, uh, uh, I have an olive press. So you bring your olives for me to press and you want me to prepare it properly and separate uh, truma. The halacha is, you're not allowed to do it because by the time they're bringing it to you, it's already tome, right? By the time they're bringing you the olives, the olives have already been wet and uh, therefore it's a problem. That's a problem. Because again, you're going to separate truma. Everyone's going to give a hechsher. Everything's just kosher. By the time you got it, it was already tame. So the kohen is going to eat tame truma. But if if um, if he gives you olives, or I guess he gives you the he brings you olives in a way that they never became wet. So let's say uh, I guess um, he gives you fresh olives that are still uh, I don't know. You go to the tree. I'll give you a crazy case. Uh, you go to the tree and pick them. Place, whatever the case is, he brings you olives in such a way that they were never susceptible to tuma. Then, you could press the tuma, you could press them in separate tuma because, and we're not concerned that he's going to touch them afterwards. Now, you place it into a utensil of a from person so that it's not tame. And when the ma'aretz comes to take his oil, he takes the regular oil. And the truma oil, we're not concerned that he's going to touch it. So it's Mamash Hashem Halacha, regarding one regarding challah and one regarding pressing oil. Now, the time am I, why are we lenient in both of these cases that we allow you to prepare it at all? Why don't we just say to the guy, I don't want to get involved? It's Amr Avyechanah Mishum Kedichal, the Gav Mishum Kedichal, the Badat. The Badat. The reason is because we want to help the Parnasa of the one who needs the dough. Right, the baker. I make a dollar every time I bake challah, so it helps me for parnasa purposes, and that's why we're lenient. Obviously, in a way where the item is not tummy, but we are going to be lenient somewhat. And so too with the pressing of the olives, we are lenient somewhat in order to help the person, to help the person uh, who who does for a living. He presses olives. Now, why do I need both? If, if it's mamish the same halacha being repeated up amongst itself, one is that that we're lenient in order for someone to the baker, and we're lenient for someone pressing olives, why do you need it to be repeated? Utsuricha, you need both. Why? If I only had the case of the one who presses the dough, who makes the dough, apparently the bakers obviously didn't have a lot of money. It didn't cost a lot for them to, you know, you're gonna charge you're not gonna charge a lot of money to bake dough, to bake bread. So they were they didn't have a lot of money, so they mamish needed parnasa. 
Avobada, therefore, were more lenient. Avobada did not but for pressing olives, which is much more expensive, maybe, maybe we would say emaloi. Maybe we would say they don't need the heter because they don't need the heter because they have enough money. Viashminavada, and if the opposite, if all you heard was the case of the olive presser that were lenient, I would say mishum delishchiachle. I would say because yeah, how how. Um, how maybe we're leaning by olive press, although they make a lot more money. Maybe we're leaning with olive presses because not everybody has an olive press. There were much more ovens available, but there weren't as many olive presses available. But a neither for pressing dough, which is readily available, I would say there's enough people. They don't have to go to you, let them go to someone else. Aim a light, therefore you need both. Okay, now just to finish up this brisa, the brisa said not that you separate the dough from challah if he gives you the raw materials that were never tummy. He separate you separate the challah, and you place it in a chavisha and chusa which are not susceptible to tumah. When he comes to take the dough, we trust that he won't touch the challah. How do you, before he delivers it to the kai? Why do we trust that he's not going to touch the challah? How do we know that he's not going to touch the challah? Because we threaten him, we say, We say that if you touch the challah, the whole dough will become aser. The whole dough will become tevel. Whether that's true or not, I, don't, I actually don't think it's true, unless there was a, a, a knas from chazal. But we threaten him and we say, listen, if you touch his challah, it'll affect the rest of the dough. So the Gemara says, maybe he won't care. You're assuming he'll care. Maybe he'll say, I don't care. The Gemara says, of course he's going to care. He's bringing it to you because he wants you to do it with Tahara. He wants you to separate Chalo. You're talking about someone who's obviously in the process of becoming Frommer. That you're going to say he doesn't care. He's only bringing it to you because he wants you to separate Chalo. If he's clearly interested in becoming a more observant person, then if you threaten him not to touch the Chalo, you could assume that he'll do the same. Now, the only thing the Gemara points out that when it comes to the olive oil, it's the exact same thing. The only difference is that by the dough, you put it in the chafisha, you put it in the chafisha or the anchusa, which are not susceptible to tuma. Regarding the dough or the oil, it said you put it into a caliph of a chover. I don't really know what that means. So the Gemara says, That we trust that he's not going to touch the oil. How do you know he's not going to touch the oil? Now, Bishle Mahasam is Lehakero. Haha, Mahakero is The Gemara says, by the dough, at least it's in a special utensil. This Hafisha looked very unique. It was not susceptible to Toma, it was from scraps of leather. So the Amarits will remember, oh, don't touch that because it's in a special vessel. But the oil is just in a jug. So how is he supposed to remember? So the Gemara says, the truth is, you put the truma oil in vessels made of klegalolim, which is animal dung, or stone, or earthenware utensils, which are not susceptible to tumma. The point is, you dafka pick new kalim that are not susceptible to tumma. So the Gemara says, my Wait a minute. If the kalim are not susceptible to tumma, then why does it say that you put them in a kalim of a chavar? A kalim of a chavar means that they're tahar, that they were from people own the kalim. If the kalim are not susceptible to tumma, then even a non-from person's kli is fine, because it's not possible to become tummy. So the Gemara says, Yeah, that's what we meant. We meant that even if the kli belongs to an amaretz, but it's not susceptible to tumma, it's like it's owned by a chavar. So the point is, you put in special utensils. Okay, just to finish up the parak, the Mishnah said that 
while you're not allowed to help someone process Shemitah fruit, you're allowed to help Goyim work the land on Shemitah. The question is, is that allowed? You're allowed to actually assist them in working the land? You're not allowed to, to, to work the land with Goyim on Shemitah. I don't know if it's an isidaraisa or just a bad optic. It could lead. I think it's because it could lead you to working the land if you own it. The point is, how can the Mishnah say you're allowed to? I thought you're not allowed to. Secondly, the, then the Brisa ends off in Kaiflin Shalom Levi You're not allowed to say Shalom twice. You're allowed to say Shalom once, but apparently the way they would greet each other is that you would say Shalom to one person and he would respond Shalom Shalom. You're not allowed to say Shalom Shalom to a guy. You could say Shalom once. You just can't say Shalom Shalom twice. So the Gemara says, how could you help a guy in Shemitah work the land? I thought you're not allowed to. No, the Gemara says, when the Mishnah says you could help him, it doesn't mean to physically help him. It means, you could wish them success in their work. You could say chazak in your work. You could give them uh, emotional support. You can't actually help them work the land. As uh, Rabbi Yehuda would tell uh, these Gaisha workers, Achzuki be strong. He would also say be strong in his language. Now, although you're allowed to say Shalom to a guy, you can't say Shalom, Shalom. Says the Gemara, Chizdam would greet every guy first. Because as I said, when you greet the guy, you say Shalom. And then they respond Shalom, Shalom. He didn't want to say Shalom, Shalom, which is the name of Hashem twice. So he would greet each guy. Rav Kana would say to the guy, Shalom to the master, Shalom Amar. Okay. B'shalim, b'shalimah, you're allowed to say hello for Goyim, even though you're using the name of Hashem, of Shalom, you're allowed to for peace. Hashtag, zuki machzakinon, shalim, b'shalim, b'shalim, Now the Gemara says, if I'm allowed to wish them strength while they're working the Shemitah lands, of course I could say hello to them. It's pretty posh. So the Gemara, I mean, you tell me I'm allowed to say hello. I'm allowed to wish them strength while they're working the Shemitah. It, it, it seems like saying hello is much more benign than that. So the Gemara says, Amrav It means you're allowed to say hello to them on their festivals. Meaning on Xmas, on December 25th, you could say hello, and we're not concerned that that greeting is like akin to saying, I'm into Avodazar. Titania Zebrais says, You should not enter a Goyesha house on their holiday. And say hello to them in their house because I guess that's um, so. So Rashi says because that's such a high level of thanks of like appreciation that the guy might think his God, and we know that you're not allowed to cause a guy to pray idolatry because that's lifna either. So you're not allowed to go into his house to to wish him hello, but matzubashuk if you find the guy on his holiday in the marketplace, nice in life besafa. You could greet him in a low voice, in like a low manner, like, oh, good morning, good morning. You don't have to, you can't say super hello, but you can say good morning. Can you close the door? Please. So the Gemara says, just to end off the parak with a story, Rav Huna and Rav Chizda were sitting together. Chalafazel Geneva. Geneva will pass them. We've had this before. Geneva is constantly walking past her abundance a couple times in this Masechta. This Masechta and Ksubis also. Armeli Chad Lechavri, one of them said, Nikum Mekame Debar Uriyun. You should stand before Geneva because he's a Tamachachab. Armeli Mekame Palga Nikum. I'm not standing before someone who argues. If you remember, <coughs> in the beginning of the Masechta, Tav Zayin, Geneva was harassing Marukva. He was like an intellectual type, and he was giving a marukva a hard time. So he said, I'm not standing up before someone who uh, causes tsaris to rabbanim. So, now, while they're talking, Geneva comes over to them. Amalu, he said to them, 
Shalom Aleichu Malki, Shalom Aleichu Malki, Shalom to you kings, Shalom to you kings. So Amr Lehi, Menolach the Rabban Yekrimolachim, so he said, how do you know Rabbanim are called kings? Amr Lehi, Dechsev, Ki Melachim Yimloichu, through the Torah, kings reign. Right? Man Malki Rabban, or the Rabban are called kings. So Amr Lehi, so fine, we're called kings, why are you saying hello? Shalom Aleichu Malki, Shalom Aleichu Malki, you're greeting us twice. How do you know that you're supposed to greet a king twice? How do you know supposed to greet a king twice? That he greeted him shalom twice. You see that you're supposed to greet a king twice. The Gemara says, Amrle, they said to him, Luta Marmidis, you want to eat something? Amrle, Geneva said, You're not allowed to eat before you feed your animal. This is one of the sources that you have to feed your animal first. So you feed the animals and then you feed the people. Okay, go to the next page. Now, back to Gittin. The Gemara said, the Mishnah says like this, now the halacha is, the husband can appoint a shliach to deliver the get, the wife can appoint a shliach to receive the get. The husband cannot appoint a shliach to receive the get for the wife, meaning if I want to divorce my wife, and I go over to Adam and I say, hey, can you deliver it to my wife? He can't, or even if I say, miskabel for my wife, it doesn't work. Why? Because being divorced is a chayv. I can divorce my wife. I can't appoint a shliach on her behalf. You can't do that. So I, the most the man can do is appoint a shliach to, to deliver. And the most a woman can do is to appoint a, is to appoint a shliach, to, is to, appoint a shliach to, 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 to to receive it. So the husband can appoint a shliach to deliver. The wife can appoint a shliach to receive. So it says the Mishnah the Mishnah says, if a husband tells someone, his will get zeli ishti, accept his get for my wife. Okay, so he says to someone to, to receive the get for his wife. Again, he doesn't have the right to do that. So basically, when he says his bill, he's basically saying, please deliver it. Or if he says it outright, take this get for my wife. The halacha is, those, those two people are shluchim, those two, it's an or, it's not an and, he did not point two people. Those two situations, the guy is a shliach to deliver the get, and therefore, she is not divorced until she receives it, and if he chooses to retract halfway through, he can call the guy up and say, I want you to stop. Because again, they cannot receive it for the wife. The only one who could appoint someone to receive it for her is her. He cannot appoint a shliach to mekabal it for his wife. The most he can do is a shliach to deliver. Therefore, it's not a get until it's delivered. And if he chooses, and if he chooses to back down, you know, so let's say he gives it to Adam, he says, hey, deliver it to my wife. And then, and then he's traveling, takes him two days, a day in, he can call him up, say, hey, back, stop. Okay. Now, she says, ha'isha, Again, the wife has the ability to appoint someone to be a shliach to be mekabalit because that's within her right. Shliach shaldam kamosa. But if a woman tells someone, accept a get from me, and then the husband gives it to her, she's already divorced. The second the, deliver, the get 
is in the hands of the shliach, she's already divorced. There's no backing down. So let's say the scenario is like this. The woman says to someone, be a shliach to be mekabalit for me. So we said, the second the husband gives the get to the hands of the shliach, she's already divorced. So says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, what if, again, the wife appoints a shliach to be mekabal the get. So the wife appoints, Rachel appoints Leah to be mekabal the get. So we said that when the husband gives the get to Leah, she's already divorced. The question is, is there any way for him to stop it, the husband to stop it? So the Gemara says, yes. The Mishnah says, yes. Lefigach. If the husband turns to Leah before he gives it to her, and he says, I do not want you to receive the get for her. Again, the husband is always the one who's in charge. And she appointed Leah to be Mechabal the get for her. But if the husband says, I don't want you to be Mechabal the get, rather, I want you to just deliver it to her, then, in he may do so. The husband can change it, because the husband, the same way the husband chooses whether the wife receives it, he also chooses who receives it on behalf of the wife. So she could appoint the shliach to be makabel, but he could override that and say, I don't want you to be makabel the get, I want you to deliver the get. And then it's just a delivery, and he could back down halfway through. Now we said before that if a woman could appoint someone to be makabel the get by his skabel, the truth is, says Hashem Gamliel, even if the woman didn't say the word hiskabel, which means I want you to receive the get from me, but she said, Tuligiti, take my get from me, then in that's also a form of saying, be makabal the get from me. Tuligiti, uh, take, take my get from me, is also a lashon of Kabbalah. And if the wife says that to someone, she's appointing her shliach to be makabal the get. The second that woman gets the get, the divorce takes effect. Okay. Now, the case of the Mishnah, the first two cases are the husband says to someone, Hiskabel getzel ishti, accept this get from my wife, getzel ishti, or he says to someone, take this get to my wife. We said in both cases, it is a shliach to deliver. So it says the Gemara, the Gemara says like this, the first two cases, the Gemara feels are pretty posh. That basically the husband has only has the right to appoint a shliach to deliver. That's pretty posh. What's the chiddush? So the chiddush is you could deduce from his following. Taima, you could deduce that the reason is the husband cannot retract because the woman never appointed them as a shliach. But let's say the wife had already appointed this person as a shliach. So you have this person, this, this lady Leah. The Mishnah said that if the husband said to Leah, she's a shliach to deliver. The Gemara feels like that's pretty posh. What's the Chiddush? The Chiddush is, it's dafka that she's a shliach to deliver because she was not already appointed by the wife. But let's say she was appointed by the wife first. The wife appointed her as a shliach to be mekabel. So we said the husband can override that. So let's say, the woman had already appointed her as a shliach to be mekabal to get. Then the husband said, his kabal gets elishti, ahelach zelishti, rotzalachsa Then the husband is not overriding her. Meaning, when the wife appoints someone to be mekabal to get, when the husband gives it to her, that's it, she's divorced. Unless the husband overrides it and says, I want you to deliver it only. The implication of this Mishnah is that if the wife had already said it, then by the husband saying, his kabal gets it, the husband is not overriding that. The husband is saying, fine. 
So you see from here, Hoylech Kizchidani. Right, we had the Shaila before that when someone says Hoylech, Hoylech, right, means take it. Does that mean take and deliver or take and actually acquire it for her? In other words, when the wife says, the wife appoints a shliach as a shliach to Mekabo, the husband has the, either the right to accept that or override that. Now, if let's say she said, I want this woman to be Mekabo and I get, and the husband says, EF she, no chance. That's the husband overriding it. Over here, the Mishnah, the Gemara is understanding the Chiddush of the Mishnah is, because the cases are pretty posh, that his Kabul Ehoilech just gets to deliver. Yeah, it's pretty posh. So what's the Chiddush? The Chiddush is, had the, hus- had the wife already appointed her as a Shlich to be Mekabel, and then he said, he didn't say EF she, he didn't say no chance. He said, his Kabul gets Elishti, Ehoilech gets Elishti. That is the husband's way of endorsing it. Why? Ehoilech is Kizchi. When he says Ehoilech, he means not just deliver, he means Take and acquire it. Hoylich is kizchidami. That's the chiddush of the Mishnah. You see, hoylich, that when a person says hoylich, he doesn't just mean to deliver. It's hoylich kizchid. It means take it and acquire it on behalf of that person. So when the wife said that she wants her to be a shliach l'kabbalah, and then the husband says hoylich, he's not overriding her. He's he's sort of backing up what she's saying. So the Gemara says, no. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say. no. The truth is, hoylich could be lav kizchid. But wait a minute, I thought we're deducing from this that the whole, right, this whole conversation started because the case of the Mishnah was the husband said, Eskabal gets Elishti, Ahilich gets Elishti. And simply put, the husband is saying, deliver this, because that's all the husband has the right to do. We've felt, the Gemara felt, like the underlying Gemara's thought was, that's pretty poshant. I don't see the Chiddush in that. It must be the Chiddush is that had the wife already been Mekabal, pointed her as a Shliach, then the husband said his gabel oihoilich. Then it would be taka a, 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 a good get right away because hoilich is kizchi dami. The Gemara says no. Perhaps no. Perhaps really hoilich is lav kizchi. But don't deduce any of this. What should you deduce? Nothing. So why do we start all this? We started deducing because we felt these two cases are pashit. We said his gabel gezel ishti, hoilich gezel ishti is pashit. The answer is, it's not Pashat. I'll tell you outside the scene. I said, what's not so Pashat? His Kabul gets Ishti. The husband says, receive this get from my wife. We're interpreting that because he doesn't have the right to do that. He only has the right to appoint a Shliach to deliver. We're saying, when he says his Kabul, he means deliver. That's a Chiddush. I could have seen that when he says his Kabul gets Ishti, it's an irrelevant term and it doesn't work at all. Meaning, I could have seen that if the husband goes over to someone and says, his gavel gets elishti, and then the person takes it and delivers it to the wife, I would say, it doesn't work at all. Why? The only thing the husband has the right to do is appoint a shliach to deliver. Over here, there's no delivery. He didn't say hoilich, he didn't, and he said his gavel, his gavel, he doesn't have the right to do that. So don't deduce anything from the Mishnah. Don't be medayik, hoilich is kizchi, hoilich lav kizchi, and what if the wife forget about any of that? The chiddush of the Mishnah is that his kabbal gets elishti is a good term from the husband's perspective. Loi, loi lav kizchi. Really, I could argue hoilich lav kizchi, and don't deduce what would the halacha be had the wife appointed the person shleach first. The his kabbal gets elishti, it's And the case of the Mishnah, the chiddush of the Mishnah is his kabbal. Salkadayich, I mean, you might think lav bar because the husband does not have the right to appoint a shliach to be makabal the get then maybe even if the person delivers it it's not a good delivery because his kabbal is neither a lotion of delivery and it's only a lotion of kabbalah but he doesn't have the right to do that no when he says a kabbal he means deliver it also 
Okay. But we still have that original Shaila is Hoylech Kishi or Hoylech Lav Kishi. So let's go to the next case in the Mishnah Tanan. Ha'isha Sha'amra, his Gabal Giti. If a woman told someone, his Gabal Giti, receive the get from me, in Ratzalasal Yasin, then she's divorced the second it reaches the Shliach's hands. My love. Now, there were two cases in the Mishnah. The husband said, Hoylech and his So the Mishnah, then the woman said, that was one case. New case, the woman said his Does the halacha not apply even if the woman said hoylich? Does the halacha not apply by hoylich as well? So that if the woman is makat, point, point this woman to receive the get for her, and then the, hoylich, the husband says hoylich, is that not referring to the case? Again, the woman said mi makabal. What did the husband say? Did the husband not say hoylich? And you see hoylich is kishidami? Gemara says loy akabala. Perhaps talking about the husband said akabala. We don't know if it's a case of hoylich. One more attempt. Tashima, we said that if the woman appoints someone to be mikabel the get, the husband can override it. If the husband says to the wife's shliach, I do not want you to receive the get. Rather, in that case means deliver. The implication is, it only means deliver in this case because the husband said, I do not want you to receive it. The husband said, Ieshi. But had the husband not said that, let's say the woman just appointed a shliach to be makabal the get, and then the husband said, Hoylich, it would sound like it would be Hoylich would work, because Hoylich is kishi dummy. When the husband is saying Hoylich, he's saying, Hoylich, I'm giving you permission to receive as well. Time Adam Yevshi, Haloya Miyevshi, Marasalaksal Yasser. Shramina Hoylich kishi dummy. So you see a pretty good proof that Hoylich is kishi. So the Gemara says, No, Dilma Behilich. Perhaps the case of the Mishnah is not Hoylich, which is debatable whether the intention is hoylich, deliver, and acquire, or deliver and not acquire. The case is hilich. Hilich is definitely deliver and acquire, so therefore it's not a good proof. Okay. Now, the Gemara has the following, we'll end with this. The Gemara has the following, Shiloh. We know, as I said before, the husband can appoint a shliach to deliver, the wife can appoint a shliach to be makabal. Now the Gemara says, pshita, it's posha to me, that ish have a shliach A man can appoint a man to deliver, because the man himself could do it. I mean, whatever you could do, you could appoint a person of the same sex. So the woman could receive a get. So the shliach to be mekabal can definitely be a woman. The husband can deliver the get. So the shliach lehoilacha, the shliach of delivery, can definitely be a man. So the man, the husband can definitely appoint a male agent to deliver the get. And the woman, the wife, can definitely appoint a woman to receive the get. Because a woman could receive the get. So the man could definitely deliver, a woman could definitely receive. The question is, what about vice versa? Can a man appoint a woman to deliver? And can a woman appoint a man to receive? That's the question. I mean, objectively, I would think like, yeah, because the question is, where do we find the source for it? So, Tashima, the Gemara is going to end off, I think, saying that... Um, the proof is that it works. The Gemara ends up saying that it works, but we'll, we'll get there. Tashima. The Braisa says like this. Right? The, the husband tells someone, accept this get from my wife or take this get to my wife. Right? We said in both cases, the husband is appointing a shlich to deliver. And then the Mishnah said, if a wife appoints someone to receive the get, that person is a shliach So the Mishnah started off by describing a man 
describing a shliach lahaylacha and a woman describing a shliach lahaybal. My labachat shliach. Are we not talking about the same person? Meaning, seemingly, when you read the Mishnah, it's obviously talking about two different cases. The question is, can it not be talking about the same person? That the husband appoints him Mishliach Lekabalah, and then the woman appoints Mishliach Lekabalah. So you see that one person can do both. So you see that a woman can appoint a male, or a hus- or the man can appoint a female. You see that the same type of sex of a person can be appointed as a Shliach for delivery and also as a Shliach for receiving. No, the case of the Mishnah is talking about two different people, two different cases. Who says it's talking about the same case? Who's talking about the same person? All it's two separate cases. The husband can appoint someone to deliver, the wife can appoint someone to receive, and maybe they have to be of a different uh, sex. Uh, I have no idea. Tashima. Okay, let's bring another proof. And this is a good proof. I'll, I'll say it outside, I'll say it outside. It said in the Mishnah that if a woman appoints someone to be Mishnah Kabbalah, the husband could override it and say, no, Efshi, I don't want you to be a shliach kabbalah, I want you to be a shliach l'haylacha. That's mamish. You see in the Mishnah, one person going from kabbalah to haylacha. So you see that kabbalah and haylacha could be done by the same sex. The Gemara says, Tashimah, l'fikach emomer lehabal, Efshi shizit kabbalah, el ha'elacha v'teinla, em ratzalach z'yachzer. So we had a question before. We said, can the man appoint a woman to deliver? And can a woman appoint a man to receive? So the answer is yes to one of them. Because the case of the Mishnah is clearly talking about one person being both a shliach l'kabbalah and a shliach l'ilacha. Because it was appointed by the wife and then changed and appointed by the husband. And it works. So either this proves that a man can be both the one to receive and deliver, or a woman could be the both one to receive and deliver, or both, but but definitely at least one. So the Gemara says, me not ish Out of the two, if I had to choose one to prove, I would because it, it proves that one person could be both. I'll prove that a man can do both. Why? We know that a man could deliver because that's an extension of the husband. But I think we could also prove that a man could receive. Why? Because we find a precedent of a man receiving a get, and that's the father of a girl under bat mitzvah. If a girl under bat mitzvah gets married and the husband wants to divorce her, he gives the get to the father. So you see that's an example of a man receiving the get. So we have a precedent already for this. And now that you've proven that one person can do both, it makes sense that the easiest one to prove is the male. The male can deliver an extension of the husband. And if you have a proof, the male can also receive because we find such a precedent. But we're still looking for a source that a woman can deliver a get. My. So, Amr Mar Mari. Okay, pretty good proof, right? We had in the beginning of the Masechta that if a person delivers a get from outside of Israel, they have to say, The Mishnah said, even women who are not trusted to say the husband died, right? There are certain women that we don't trust to say the husband died because we think that they would try to mess her up, like the mother-in-law, the stepdaughter, and all these things. They said, the, the Mishnah said, they could also deliver a get. And they have to say, Oh, you see that they're delivering. That's a woman delivering a get. Proof clear as day. Ravashi says, Look at the rest of that mission. The end of that mission is also clear. If you remember, the end of the mission said that a woman herself can deliver her own get, and she has to say, I think the case was like that the husband says she has to go to the best and then put it down, and then there was a whole akimta, the whole case. But you see that the wife herself, who's a woman, is delivering the get. So you see that a woman can deliver the get. Okay, we'll stop here because now we're starting a new sugya. We'll pick it up tomorrow. All right, sorry about the...
uh, schedule change. Bezashem, tomorrow I'll go back to a little bit of a hiccup over here, but we'll back to uh, back to regular scheduling tomorrow.